we must establish a personal connection with each other. Connection before content. Without relatedness, no work can occur. Peter Block. Bending Not Breaking. Season 5, Episode 3. Civil Wars, Part 1. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we've got a lot to talk about today. So much. As always. Yeah. We, you would think we would shut up by now, but we there's we've still nope, we feel like we got things to say. Content Absolutely. Left. And uh <laughs> we also have something special today. Ben something very special. We, or should I say someone very ooh, special? A little tease there. That's right. We have our first guest for the season. Very exciting. I am happy to introduce John Oliver. John Oliver is a chaplain and chaplain educator here in Durham, North Carolina, and he is with Duke University Hospital, and we're so glad that he's here. John, how are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Bending Not Breaking. Oh, we're excited to have you. What, can, before we kind of... Uh, Ben's getting his master's in divinity. I'm not. <laughs> What is a chaplain? What, what is what a chaplain? Well, a chaplain is a person who is usually hired by a hospital or a prison or some other institution. And we visit with patients and we explore how their spiritual resources can support them in their ongoing journey. And that's the long and the short of it. Wow. So very simple, not nuanced at all, just very straightforward Oh, no, work. it's pretty nuanced, too. But, <laughs> but uh, the bottom line is we do try to walk with people. We try to uh, be their companions in their journey. So, for example, someone is sick with a, a disease, we would stand with them, hear their journey, walk with them, explore what fears they have, what joys they have, how they're using the spiritual resources they have of community, mm. of family, of their faith tradition, and all of those things begin to support them and create a web underneath them that helps them make meaning of their life and their illness. Wow. So, our chaplains always, like I imagine, just like a random patient, like all of a sudden a chaplain shows up in the room. Is it like a requested thing or is it something? It's both and. Okay. It's both and. And often we, uh, we, we do get referrals and we'll go in and see patients that have been referred to us. But often hmm. we, we will float through the hospital and we'll visit people. We, uh, we believe that what we offer has to do with existential work. And there's a lot of pain in the hospital that can be treated physically, yeah. but there's also a lot of suffering. And so this is a chance for us to, to be with people in their suffering, not only their pain. So we engage them around the, the uh, challenges they're having and the, and the fears they're facing, and we walk with them in their suffering. Wow. So I imagine the burning question from some of listeners are like, what is a chaplain doing on an avatar, the last airbender? What God, is the yes. chaplain doing on? Well, th let's, let's be really clear. The other, the other, the main reason we're here is because one day Ben and I were in class together and I was saying something to the effect of, I really think there's a lot in Harry Potter that has to do with, you know, the spirituality and there's a lot going on. And so we started talking about fantasy and how fantasy can speak to our real lives as well. And, and then Ben turned me on to Avatar, so I, I became a, a fan, and I'm so I'm working <laughs> my way. Yeah, I'm working my way through the seasons. I I've uh, but I'm excited about about the show. It's fun to watch, and there's a lot of great stuff in it. And so, 
from my recommendation, just to be clear, you you watched all of Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? And then you've watched how much of Korra? I finished the second season, which is like. That's pretty impressive. That's a lot. That's a lot to my go poor on wife like... and my poor dog have not seen me very much. <laughs> so that's a, I don't think I've ever taken that big of a leap of faith off of Ben. Yeah, well, there you before. go. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like very honored, but also like the show speaks for itself. Well, it does. It does. <laughs> and there's a lot of great things that that you know speak about spirituality, but they mm. also speak about human life and about some of the struggles that we all face. And that there's some great life lessons in Cora. And oh, an you just heard the pitch for our podcast. There you go. The John whole thing. Oliver, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we, we know a little bit about your relationship with Avatar. And so today you have chosen, uh, we offered you the option to choose a lens. And after watching this episode, you chose the lens of relatedness. So I'm, I'm curious, what's the, the brief version of why you chose it? Because we'll dive into the real you know, fun stuff later, but why, why relatedness and what is relatedness? Relatedness, being connected, having something in common, being family with or community with someone. That's, that's the way I think about it. I was shocked by how Unalak could show up and all of a sudden do three major things with the spirits. And, and all of a sudden the avatar was off following this guy whom she really didn't trust or know. And, and that that willingness to break the relationships with her, with Tenzin, with her father, with her mother, with her tribe, I don't know that she broke them with her tribe, but she broke she broke these relationships that seemed really important to yeah. her. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this: is that there there's real great strength in relatedness, but there's also there's some threats to it that that are really important. And I think we see a lot of those in this in this episode. Well, I'm ready to dive in. But before we do, we have a very important responsibility to our listeners to recap the episode. And when On I say your we, mark. Yeah, when, I, <laughs> when I say we, I mean sunshine. I hate it. This is, I'm already over it. All right. We're going to count you down in three, two, one. Uh, the Northern Water Tribe shows up, and then Boomy, Kaya, and Tenzin discuss their childhood, and uh, Icky ran away, so that's not great. Tonrock holds a, a town meeting and, and asks Cora to do him a favor, and she says, I'll do it for the tribe. And then we get some <laughs> Eska and uh, Desna dislike the South and their relationship, and we see uh, Bolin doing things that are, you know, are strange. And then, uh, I'm not uniting, I'm invading, Unalak. And then Cora tries to play neutral in a conflict, and then more things happen, and she stops an attempt for a kidnapping and then ding, people ding, get ding. arrested. That was pretty good. Well done. Yeah. How do you feel about it? It's my least favorite. I don't I feel so much pressure. It's I like a, the, the conversation. A lot of the conversation's always really nice. The having to recap things in thirty seconds, less so. Yeah. That's yeah. my that's my feeling on it, Ben. I'm really proud of you. So, don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of relatedness, (laughs) do we need to talk? (laughs) I mean, maybe. Always. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's dive on in. That that brings us to to you, John. Like what are what's a moment that you want to touch on first? So I think I think the uh, first moment I want to touch on is an odd one, but it has to do with Desna and Eska and and uh, Bolin, where Bolin is their um their I guess they're 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 running around Caddy, and, and ca- almost, yeah yeah, yeah they, he was he was uh, chauffeuring them around and um, 
it was odd to me what someone might do to be in relationship with somebody and yeah. what someone might do to not be in. So at first he started, he was flirting with her in the season, in the episode before. And now all of a sudden he's realizing she ain't who he thought she was. Yeah. But, but that, that episode, that part of the episode to me was, was funny in that um, sometimes we're, we're in, we're in too deep and we're getting related to somebody that we really don't want to be related to. So that was a, that was an interesting piece of, of this episode to me. Wow. There's so much there because with Desna and, and Bolin in particular, there's this constant bid for connection from Bolin. He wants to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants to be in relationship and then he gets it, and he realizes that the type of relationship he didn't understand and see what what I might have seen as red flags, and what I imagine you did as well. Well, well and even what Cora said. Yeah, Cora's like, I thought uh, you, yeah. you <laughs> thought that was obvious to you, right? And so, it's interesting, like how sometimes our desire to belong overrides our capacity to see red flags. Yeah, I think anyone who's been in a romantic relationship ever can probably speak some truth in, <laughs> into that right so this um this idea of of even the idea of someone oh i, I see this person from across the room i think i put a picture in my head of, of how they behave and what they're like and then we start to date and then i ignore the things that aren't that because i'm so enamored with this new relationship and then by the time you're in it you I can, I can change them. I don't want to leave for fear of being alone or for making them upset or making them uncomfortable. And yeah. uh, it's relationships are hard. Romantic relationships are with emotional ties, even harder. Um, it's just, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's also like the way she treats him. I think it's fair to say is, is a, Abusive. abusive. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Call it what it is. <laughs> laugh at my laugh at my humorous comment. Yeah. Um, and so the other side of that, just from a like a show making standpoint, that makes this episode tough to watch for me is is how much of that abuse is played for humor. Yeah. And right. I'm like, how many people are living that and watching that and not finding it funny yeah. at all because they're trapped in that situation. And so it's tough to see that played on screen as like, what a joke! <laughs> we are laughing, and it's like. I think it's a very real thing uh, that kind of gets overlooked or played off that way in this episode. I think it's really important to count the cost of the relationship. And I don't think he was doing that until it was too late. But she she was exacting a huge cost on him in, in order to be in relationship. And then when he tried to break it off, you know, pull the, pull the what was it? Pull the, pull the leech, leech off. off. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, it, there's, it wasn't that easy for him. And even even later on in this in this show, later on in the... In episodes that follow, they they end up coming back yeah. together in a in a strange way too. So it's it's a really interesting relationship. To well, me. it's this weird, interesting thing where we we realize that ben, Bolin's <laughs> uh, capacity for setting boundaries is a little lacking, it seems. And so it, it, what I, what we see from him is this attempt, but it's this desire for comfort. He doesn't want to disrupt anything. Right. He doesn't he want, don't want to make anybody mad. Doesn't make yeah. anybody mad. And that that is something again very easy to identify with. Well and I think it's because he's afraid of her. I mean, you know, that was yeah. he she was she was really hurting him along the way. So. And literally had the capacity to like you you saw how many times she sends spikes 
right. of water spikes, ice spikes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, she can literally like get, get me in one go. <laughs> this is terrifying. So that's one piece of relatedness that I think yeah. is really important to think about is how much is this costing me? How do I live into the boundaries that I want to have myself? And mm. and are is are the people around me saying I should stay in it or get out and maybe listen to some people around me that have, have been friends along the way? So a key part of relatedness I'm hearing from you is when you get into a relationship where there is a toll you did not expect, right. uh, lean on your other relationships that you have built trust with. And it's really important, especially if people disallow you to have those relationships, like they no longer let you talk to somebody. Mm. That's a huge red flag. And it's it's really important that you take care of yourself in that kind of relationship. Well, we even see that in a previous episode, in, in the previous episode, where the moment he goes and runs to Cora, she literal like physical obstacle goes in the way a block of ice and then she pulls why are you initiating physical contact yes yeah exactly (laughs) right and so i think that's that is the hard part because how do you how do you tell someone to do that to lean on your other relationships if there aren't other relationships because of either that interaction or just because they weren't there to begin with i think that also makes it tough yeah yeah that's hard so an, another relationship I, I loved, and I, I think we, we see this, is, is back to Bolin and Mako, where, where they're really trying. And it seemed like they really have had a connection their whole lives. They yeah. were orphans. They grew up together. They fought together. They, um, they were, were, they in the, were they in the gang together? I was trying to think if they were in the tri... I uh, think so. Were they to, in I the, think they ran schemes. Like, I gotcha. Think they, they were both in it? I think they did things Maybe as kids to like help get money and then got out of it. Because they, they talk about... I guess maybe Bolin said in it. I'm trying to remember the first season, but Bolin said something along the lines of like Mako did it to keep us together. To, like, yeah, that's, I thought it was or, Mako, but it might have um, been both. But Bolin does it later. So well, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, the other thing I I wanted to name about relatedness is my discomfort with the way Unilock shows up and has this secret power. And frankly, I want to talk someday about the spirituality as power, you know, having spiritual power, mm. when in many, in many traditions, we think of spirit as, as a person or internal to us, yeah. rather than powers that live like electricity or like force or like mm-hmm. strength. So that, that's, that's one of those strange parts of this that I, I'm still grappling with. But I, I think, uh, I, w- I wish for Cora that she knew a few things about following dangerous people. <laughs> And and that's that would be one p- place I would say in terms of relatedness. And she seemed to be naive to who he actually was. And and she's yeah. a kid. And um, and frankly, I think she she felt lost. And and she wanted she wanted something. She wanted to learn what he was doing. I mean, yeah, I think that's what's really problematic for me when I when I think about Cora because to the fandom really gets on Cora for this se- her actions this season, and. It's I, part of me is like, that was a mistake, but the other part of me is like, he is manipulating her. Right. It, it's not right. her fault, right? She is the victim here, and so I, I think there's yes, we need to cultivate this, uh, these these spidey senses, so to speak, and we need to cultivate awareness of the behaviors to pay attention to. But she is sixteen, seventeen, right? And right. Like has had no exposure to that because she was protected her entire life until she was 16 and went to, um, and had season one. Right. (laughs) Right. And so it's really tough. It's really hard. Well, it's one of those things where 
it, it highlights the importance of people are looking to be seen, people are looking to belong, and the power of someone saying, I see you, Unalak's doing it for malicious reasons, but he's still saying, you're the Avatar, I see you, I respect your ability. All I the right like, language. All the right to language her. to her. Uh, and, and, and so we see that power of belonging and being seen and how it's it can draw you in because that's what people are looking for. And when we relate that to the real world, that's, that's how we see people join these fringe groups or extremist groups is some, you know, someone who is looking and saying, I'm not finding a place to belong or be seen. Oh, well you can belong to us. It's all these other groups fault that you're this way. So come join us. We'll treat you differently. Mm-hmm. And then they're in, here they are in, you know, fringe groups, extremist groups, hate groups, anything else like that, because that would be only, exactly, because Mm -hmm. they're the ones that say, oh, I can see you for who you are, and they bring them on in. Right, so I was thinking for our listeners, a few things that might help them to be aware, to be aware of when they might be following the wrong person. (laughs) You might be following the wrong person when, when the, that person starts disparaging or denigrating people that you know and love and have trusted your whole life. And, What's, what happens there is often we want to we see the flaws of our loved ones too, and, yeah. so, they, and so they have so flaws. Yeah, yeah, so we hop on that bandwagon and we go for it, and and there we have flaws. But but what people use is they use that as a as a way to divide us from someone. So for example, this is Unalak like disparaging Tone Rock, right? Right. For like, hey, your your father's the worst. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. He's, he's the reason these dark spirits are here. It, he's the yeah. reason that they that the South is in such disarray. All and and stuff. she had no way of knowing that that was a lie, which is another thing I want to talk about. Which is, <laughs> and going back to episode one of this season, also the the first not the first but the first like super red flag for me with Unalak was only I exactly can be your spiritual teacher in this right. situation and we're and we're like uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. yeah no that's a huge <laughs> when anybody thinks they're the only one with some magical truth or some sort of uh, elixir that will will make your life better then that's a real red flag yeah. for me. It, what is the old saying? If it, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. I mean, yeah. it's, it's too good <laughs> yeah, to be true. Is. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's one thing. Disparaging, saying that they have the secret, they know something special that you yeah. that you can only get from them. Another one is when they're willing to break the law to meet their own ends for their own personal gain. Um, they lie and deceive for these things. Now she wouldn't have known that yeah. necessarily, but it turns out later when she when she finally catches up with the judge later on yeah. in, the, in the next episode where where he tells her the whole truth. But it, it's also important when when someone is you and I don't know that she could have told this, but I think she might might have, especially when the ships started coming in, when they're seeking their own power and will use anyone or anything in their way to get their own way. Um, and so these are yeah. those are those are things that I think are really good red flags for our listener to see as as a result of this episode that we do see some things going on that can be be helpful for us to not fall into those fringe sorts of relationships. I have a question around how do we okay so Unalak is leveraging an entire army of of power like it's very visible right <laughs> I'm curious how do we. Uh, how do we bring that into our own perspective when not most of us are friends with people who can leverage an entire army where like, what does leveraging that kind of power look like in a, a quote, typical relationship uh, or system family system? So I, I don't know about I, I, one way that I can think about that is there are pastors that 
that be, that begin to say that I have the only truth, mm. and there are there are religious prophets, and they, yeah. and in some in some worlds we call them false prophets, that want to want to move into people's lives, take their money, promise them things that are not Ponzi schemes, yeah, also things kind like of a that, deal. yeah, yeah. In terms of family relationships, I think I think you can move into um, you can move into relationships like like the 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 Desna relationship where someone is and and really she's a chip off the old block in some yeah. regards, um, where they're where they're using their power to hurt you and they they want to control your every move. Those are good good things to be aware of or good mm. red flags. They're bright red flags. Yeah. Cause one of the things that makes me think about in, in this conversation is, you know, setting, ba- you know, if a, if a therapist says, Hey, you need to set boundaries with your family because your family's creating some of these toxic behaviors, which we know is, is, is the thing. Common. Oh, that's a thing. And yeah. so how do you discern like your therapist or a friend saying like, Hey, this might not be okay that you're, parents are utilizing this versus someone who's trying to come in and create a wedge between you and your familiar relationships when mm, it isn't that's a great question that bad you know what I mean? because there are times where it's like no you're in an unsafe you know familial home that's not for you you should be out of there which is a very real situation versus someone coming in and trying to do that for their own malicious intent so i i experienced that slightly differently in that i don't i don't hear the therapist necessarily casting aspersions on the family rather saying to the person i want you to be safe right and so when the focus is on me and them wanting me to be safe and them having some real examples of how i'm not being safe then that's a different that can be a different thing but you're sure. right it, it can feel like the same thing i yeah i i don't know that's such a it's it it is the there's a how do you learn to trust the right people because i think we're seeing cora kind of experience that right like she already doesn't love dad that's probably not the right word she is already kind of questioning in conflict with in, in conflict with dad with tonrock because of you never let me go anywhere you held me hostage at the at the southern water like she's already because up. of the secret that we learn about in this episode and so too. it was the wedge was already kind of there and I feel like Unalak just kind of took a railroad hammer. Oh, and yeah, was no. Like, and well, click. Yeah, like, that's, that's, isn't, it, isn't it terrible when someone knows your weak spot and they push that button and they can just really. Like, man, uh, siblings are yeah. excellent at that. They are excellent at that. So, And th- that's, I mean, I think this is with the Desna and Eska sibling, the Mako and the Bolin siblings, the T- Tom Rock and the Unalak sibling. All of these siblings, and then of course you have all of the Tenzin and his his brother yeah. and sister, and then Tenzin's kids. Yeah. There, there's several different family systems that we're looking at. Yeah, there's one other thing though that I want to I want to say that I think is really challenging in relatedness, and that is secrets. And I think there's a difference between secrecy and privacy, and I'm not sure exactly how to tease that out. But one of the things I think of is the difference between secrecy and privacy is secrets are uh, are private matters, but but someone is getting hurt by them. <laughs> so it's a secret that daddy's drinking. Well, the whole family's getting hurt by his alcoholism or her alcoholism, however that's rolling out. So that that's one way to think about secrets and, uh, and privacy. I think there's some things that need to be private and that are perfectly great to be private. But when you move into secrets and keeping a secret, that becomes a challenge for me. I don't know 
I uh, the secret I think is that uh, she was being hurt. Actually, she was being hurt by not being able to travel the world like the other other avatars had done and learned. As Unlock rightly said, you know they've traveled the world to learn these skills, but you had to stay here, and they kept you here. So this secret, he was able to use that secret against Korra and and her parents, and and to separate them out too. So I I think secrets are really a challenge in any system. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know what do you, what did y'all experience in that part of it? I I love the the kind of the idea around the privacy and secrecy because it's not one that I thought of, and it's I think you're right. Right. There are things that are you share with a small group of people, people that you trust because of the shame that can be centered around it because, or know, the beauty, the yeah, intimacy, it's, the it's none, nobody else's business. Right. right. Yeah, and so, and private. so for that to be able to, to exist, I think very much needs to happen. Um, and it is always as someone who works with kids and has for the, the last 13 years, there is such a power to transparency and decision-making uh, that allows people to understand why rules are in place, to understand why safety is there, right. and, and kids get it. And But there are also things where it's like, we're not going to share exactly why this is happening because you need to know that we're keeping you safe, but you don't need to know that you know external factors X, Y, and Z are present right now or whatever it might be. And so it's, it's interesting to kind of navigate that. But for a child, sometimes that black and white, it's, it's it has to be more black and white, the nuance, the, the gray it's tough to decipher at that moment until you get older and see it, um, experience it, learn about it, learn about your own emotional awareness and things like that. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. There was a moment when she was talking to her mom and I I thought that was a precious moment too. I I, I liked this where they were talking and, and, uh, mom says, you know, we, we kept, you know, so the truth is out. So mom says, um, what did she say? What's going on, honey? Um, it breaks my heart to see our family being torn apart like this. And then she says, I found out that dad's been lying to me my whole life. And then, uh, Unlock told me everything. Unlock shared this truth and, and he did. So I think, I think what I'm inviting us to do is to figure out how do we, how do we live responsibly with secrets Um, because I don't know that she needed to know that they were banished when she was three, but as life goes on, why aren't we going back to the North very much? Well, here's what happened. And it's almost like finding out you're adopted when you're, when you're 15 rather than when you're four. Yeah. It's interesting. So I, I have an interesting relationship with secrets as in my family. Um, so I, uh, grew up in a family that, uh, had a lot of drug involvement. And so I grew up believing secrets kept my family safe, much like this experience here. And I I grew up being, uh, being told that if this like is shared, then like we, we lose things and specifically like families going to jail and things along those lines. Wow. And so for me, I had this internalized concept of like secrets keep my family safe Mm -hmm. and secrets are a form of safety and it's a way of ensuring that I don't, I'm not vulnerable to these things that will take away these things that I love and care about. And so it, it took a long, long time for me to like grapple with that in a way that has allowed me to see that that was harmful. (laughs) Right. 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 And, and, and it took, well past them getting caught and then you know going through that whole ordeal wow where i was then able to process how like oh huh 
I, I didn't do well with that as a mindset. And it really helps to, in order to be related, this secret was a major barrier. Right. And so part of me is asking the question of how much of a barrier is there between the, between parents and Cora, And what was that barrier? How was that barrier experienced by Tone Rock and Senna? Right. Oh, I, I wish we could tell her, but we love her too much. It really reminds me of Harry Potter and, and Dumbledore also where Dumbledore is like, I couldn't tell you when you were 13 because I loved you. I couldn't tell you when you were 14 because I loved you. And every year until year five and where he has to tell Harry. And it's kind of this similar deal where love, our core connectedness and our want and yearning for that compels us to keep secrets right in order to protect what we have and so i just i really empathize with it and it's, I, it's I hard do, i do and and one of the things the the whole the other piece of this feels like there are so many paradoxes yes. because by trusting cora with that secret the family could have been stronger i'm not saying it would have been but it, yeah. it could have been and by by trusting her with that at least there would be nobody else telling her there's an insult to someone else telling me well you really know who your daddy really is yeah i thought it was him no it's not you know i mean it's those kinds of secrets when they catch us by surprise are deeply painful yeah and that's and that's why another reason why i really felt for cora in this episode Mm. was that it really does it smarts when someone else tells you something that nobody else close to and it's almost like um Sometimes people don't tell secrets to someone, and then when they find out, everybody else knew, and they feel they feel uh, ostracized, betrayed, betrayed because yeah. you didn't trust me, and you were laughing at me behind your backs, or you know, you all knew this, and I never. And there's all sorts of deep, deep pain well, that can happen. So I that's, think you named it. I think Cora feels betrayed, right? Like yeah. this is something that I should have known about, and it's you know, I. It's hard. It's hard. And we see it deeply affect the way that she holds relationships with other people throughout this episode. Like, the way that she engages with, with other people because of that is somewhat tarnished by the the feeling of being betrayed by, you know, uh, her father. Mm-hmm. Going to Unalak, telling him that, like, hey, these are the things that we want to do, and him coming at her and then start using that manipulative language again around, like, you're the only person who can do this. You're, and so, so when she goes and engages with the content, uh, the conflict with every part, you know, everyone on the street, yeah. she's coming at yeah. it in a very different way than she may come at it if she didn't feel betrayed by her her parents and like betrayed. I by was others. confused in the moment where this person that is not her father is dressed up and covered up and trying to like go and take out Unalak, and Cora stops him and is like, "Dad, why would you do this?" Hears him speak. And still thinks it's dad. And I truly am like sitting here going like, there's there's no, like, I can hear the difference. That's clearly not. Like, and so I wonder. It's not James Remar. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I wonder if Cora is in so much in this mode of betrayal that that's one of the reasons she was so willing to believe that that was her dad. Did you know, so you knew that Cora and, and Dexter from Showtime have the same dad. Whoa. <laughs> dun, dun. That's an unfair comparison. <laughs> oh, wow. Lots okay. of secrets. Lots of relatedness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Secrets. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I think that just the idea of secrets being being something to think about when you're in a relationship. So as as our just listeners— well and, well, and as our listeners are, are building relationships— 
Do you trust this person with a secret? If you don't trust them with a the secret, then maybe you need to think about this relationship some further. And and will this be one that you can continue? Yeah. And and then ultimately, if you do trust someone with your secret and they're not trustworthy, then that's not necessarily on you that they can't yeah. they can't handle your truth. Um, and so so I think secret. But but the point of it is is that transparency really does. The truth will set you free. It'll hurt, but it will set you free. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the hope. We jumped into we, we sibling relationships have been mentioned several times, and I, I want to dive into it specifically. Kaya, Boomy, and Tenzin. Oh my yeah, god, they're for fun. Sure. Be, because <laughs> they're fun. There are lines in this episode that they're, I'm like, that is a that dagger. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Um, like that. Maybe that's why the Avatar fired you. <laughs> like just things oh, that were yeah. just like. Kai even says something that tends in at one point, and I was just like, "You're right. These it are is your fault." Correct. Like she wow. and wow, yeah. and why is it that siblings have this ability, or families have this ability to to hit that place hard? How do we navigate that? Because it's so. I find it easier to stand up to like strangers and friends when it comes to when they cross my boundaries or say something that's hurtful. I feel like it's so much harder to do it with family. I think that family is all invested differently than mm. a stranger would be. So she is super invested in Cora's doing well. Um, and, and Boomy is very invested in finding is Iki. Yeah. You know, in, in other words, there's some investment that they have. And so they're, they're, they, I, that's one thing I'm wondering about is, is because they're so invested that they're fighting with all they've got to. Mm-hmm. I, I, there, that was probably one of the more beautiful moments in this episode for me was the moment where, you know, okay, well, I'm going to go find Iki and Tenzin's like, I'm going to do it. And then Boomy's like, I'm going to help. It's I really like important. That, yeah. And I was just like, oh, you, you really care about your niece. <laughs> and then Kai was like, I'll help too. I was like, wow, like that's just a really, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that my <laughs> uncles and aunts would do that so it's just like that's just really beautiful like wow that's uh i, I love that i just mm. there were some there were some fun moments too early on when i guess it was milo came up and said is there a baby in there after yeah. his mom had just had had the baby and then um and then and then he wonders if boomy's got a baby in yeah. there and 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 just the humor and 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 how silliness yeah that, it was just, right that's yeah. just mm. so okay so this is important i think what we're touching on is the the power that relatedness has. And so I'm, I, I believe that siblings have are we are so tied inextricably to our siblings through the nature of like, we have known them since birth. They have seen us through our worst moments. They've seen us through our best moments. And so when, when people see us at our worst, they have the tools to leverage that and we are more vulnerable with our the people with whom we are in greater connection to does that make sense yeah yeah and so what that means is there is a greater responsibility with a greater sense of relatedness because when that is um not um what's the word shepherded uh shepherded well um fostered um Oh, there's a word I'm thinking of. It's not coming. Stewarded. Thank you. There it is. Uh, stewarded well. You're welcome. Happy to help. Yeah. <laughs> then what happens is the relationships are more tumultuous and you're more likely to, to break. And I'm curious, 
for you, John, like when I when I when I when I when I speak about this, like I I, I think of terms like uh, there's a word that um, I learned called casual cruelty, where it's these remarks that we throw casually that are just like these these daggers yeah these dagger zingers mm-hmm. that like it guts you and but to, it's just like oh it was a haha moment right i was just saying it because that's what we always do it's we're just you know it's just like in a family family jab when really it's like <laughs> right, right and we don't say anything because also it's family and so there's a lot going on there like Help me unpack a little bit of that. I don't know if like what's going through your head when I say all those things. Well, what I'm what goes through my head is, um, I, so I have three kids and I I just didn't put up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I they you you can't be mean. You can be mean, uh, to something, but you can't uh, objectify people. Mm. And um, I, I, I didn't like it. Now my kids did it, and they still do it. And I and I you know they still get at each other. I I wonder if if that's not the whole the whole thing. This is what Adam and Eve's sons ran into, right? I mean, the very beginning. If we if we go back to that very beginning story, mm-hmm. of of um, jealousy and of of um, fear of being usurped and um, seeing our own failures in through somebody else's body. And so we're often harder on other people because we're projecting into them ourselves. Mm. So those are some things that I'm, I'm thinking about as, as, as this goes, but I do hope parents can say, you know, being mean, just that doesn't work. That's not going to work. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to treat each other as, as human beings and, and not as objects. And you can't call me a name. You can't call me an X, Y, or Z. Um, and still be in in relationship, we need to be able to say, I am a subject and I had a hard day today and I had three emails that just wouldn't send correctly. Rather than calling me a jerk for being late, thank you for not calling me a jerk for being late, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but, but understanding that there's a narrative going on underneath this. And I don't think families are... are are often able to see the the narratives and and can quickly move to objectification. And and those to to me feel like real problems. Yeah. Mm. There's just, there's a lot going on. And, you know, we see Pema who tries to hold Janora and Milo accountable and like, why do you always do this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so she's clearly had this conversation with them before, but kids will be kids. Yes. Right. And we, when kids are kids, we have to hold them accountable right? We have to, there has to be this learning and growth that occurs. Otherwise this will continue. But what right? happens, yeah. But what happens is when you have secrets or when you don't have, when you, you're, you have things going on that are out of balance in the parental relationship, mm. it makes it hard to, to, to create boundaries for your kids too. So sometimes that's a really important element. If you ask me is to say, Part of the the challenge for for Cora, for example, was that her parents had these things going on behind the scenes yeah. that that they could they didn't feel like they wanted to make her aware of them, and so they would let her get away with things. They could let her, you know, you saw her in that very first episode when she when they <laughs> knew she was the avatar, she was tearing through the house. Um, of course, that could be just the exuberance of a little baby with all this power. I love <laughs> so, that moment. I'm the avatar. <laughs> you got to deal with it. So, but, but now in terms of, in terms of like siblings though, I think that's one of the things is how do we, how do we remain, uh, how do we as adults moving into adulthood begin yeah. to see each other 
as adults. And I think when we're kids, there's a lot of grace that needs to happen there. Yeah. But but as adults, we need to begin to not treat each other as objects, but treat each other as subjects. That's the deal. You're a grown-up. You're a grown-up, too. Like, acknowledge it. Yeah. So this moment where I thought was an interesting moment, and I'm just interested, like you're talking about your relationship with your children, and I think that's really integral because we think about what that looks like, and that's what makes me terrified to ever have children is because, like, I don't know that I have the skills in order to really Oh, neither did I, and neither do I, just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a constant learning thing. It's also a, a, like, I hear you, and it's also, like, I am terrified. Um, Not that I'm planning on having kids anytime soon, but when I think about this relationship that these three had with Aang and right. they, they talk about this and Tenzin's like, Oh, remember we went out on vacation with, you know, and they're like, no, we weren't there. And then he does it again. And then like that, like, ah, oh, and that's like, really seems to be a core root problem that has gone unacknowledged. Um, on Tenzin's part. Well, and so favor, having a favorite child is is a bad idea. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Um, the others might feel some way about it, um, but p- parents do that, and and yeah. that occurs sometimes. And so how to, how to move beyond it? I've got friends that tell me, oh yeah, my I'm the favorite, or my sister's the favorite. There's no question about it, and we just deal with it. Uh, I I don't. That doesn't compute for me mm-hmm. because I, I it seems like that's a hard hard react I, I don't know it just doesn't compute maybe well, yeah. maybe it does and the most generous assumption i can make is that ang like didn't intend to treat tenzin as the favorite right i imagine it was like the weight of trying to make sure he had all the airbending knowledge and that he needed to impart on him and that man before ang passed or yeah. whatever else and, that. and it manifested that way right yeah you know what struck me about that is in the next episode i know y'all will discuss this later but didn't didn't tenzin teach milo how to 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 train all of the lemurs yeah oh my god that scared me when he was (laughs) i mean the reason it scared me is it 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 kind of made me wonder if if um if tenzin had received that kind of instruction Uh, from his dad and so he was passing it on that way and and that you know, getting back to the weight of this thing on his shoulders. And and it was like really odd how Milo just had those lemurs all flying. Oh, I didn't in just formation. train one. Yeah. I trained them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's more to come in that. I haven't seen the rest of it. Don't, no spoiler alerts, but I, I bet they show back up. Or I hope they do. Um, other things in terms of relationships, relatedness. Um, I, I was thinking there's this there's this thing called family systems theory. And I don't know if y'all are, are familiar with some of those things, but but to me, there's there's some things that happen with triangles, that you know when one person speaks about somebody else, uh, and and I I think triangles happening here included a big one with Cora uh, learning some things from her uncle that her parents should have told her. So so that triangle, mm. she she was then triangulated rather than saying, which I think is a good thing to do if we can. Um, how about Ben? You don't tell me what what so and so is saying, but but let me go to them and find out instead. Yeah, so, so stopping that triangle so, from so, happening. So you know, I think you're telling me Dad's story rather than telling me uh, your story, and I'd rather hear your story. Dad will tell me his story, and that's really hard to do because frankly, it's very 
it's, it's you have to be aware of it. In the well, first you have place. to be aware, <laughs> of it, but you also have to have to not be curious and and be able to put the boundary down to say that's my yeah. story, not yours. But what I'm getting at is knowledge is power within relationships. Yeah, and so this clearly leveraged by Una Locke in this episode, and, and not and and uh, it's. It's you know the, the the knowledge they were leveraging that knowledge against against Tenzin his brother and sister were mm-hmm. I think you well you know the truth that wasn't the truth, and so they're leveraging the truth uh, too and and mm. interesting yeah. I think it's so important to lift up that that again because the skill set of being able to shut down someone and say hey I I need to hear this from the original source I need to hear this from the person whose story it is we're talking about is a skill that I have never practiced. And, and honestly, just until this point, didn't realize that's a skill that I should be practicing. Well, and could, so think, could is a better word. I don't I know. Agree. The word yes. Should, but could. Okay, but yes. Yeah. Could be, it could be practicing. Absolutely. Um, because there's so much power in saying that's not your story to tell or allowing someone to tell their story. Um, as opposed to someone else telling it for them. And I think that that's something that happens in workplace. I think that's something that happens within friend relationships. And I think that that is a skill that if, if I take away anything from this episode, that's probably a great thing to be able to start practicing. Massive is that, trust is building that, that exercise as well. Like not only does that constitute like saying hey here's my boundary like i like in order for us to have a trusting relationship i need you to not share things that are not in your vault but in someone else's right right exactly and so i'm i'm building trust with the person who i'm like setting a boundary with but i'm also cultivating trust with the person who i chose not to hear this gossip from right and so like i can go to the source and say hey this is what i heard can you tell me more about it uh, and that is a way to cultivate trust rather than to just be like, this is what I heard. Did you do it? And like, just like, it's just completely different. Right. Letting them tell their own story too. Yeah. I, I was thinking of an example, a, a story that I think y'all would appreciate. You know, the last Harry Potter book I was on like near the end, I think Bellatrix was fighting um, Molly. Molly. And my wife comes in and says, Hey John, you want to take the kids to the pool? Cause you know, it was summertime. Right. And, she reads super fast and had finished the book. I said, well, I don't know where I'm going to be emotionally at the end of this book, you know, because I've been waiting for these <laughs> books all these years. And, you know, I just, I, I you want you take them. She said, oh, fine, I'll take them. Well, I get to work the next day and my friend who works down the hall, lives in my neighborhood, comes up and so did you cry at the end of the Harry Potter books? <laughs> my wife is telling my story rather than allowing me to tell it. Um, and so this is where this whole idea of knowledge being power can also be a really important part of relatedness. And this thing about not triangulating and letting someone else tell their own story and let them have you know, their own vault with you is really actually a really important gift. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I think that just really speaks to everything that Unalak says, literally, that comes out of his mouth is a problem. <laughs> because it's some it's either leveraging power knowledge is power it's intentionally driving a wedge between Cora and her trusted like relationships i just like there's this moment where he says cora only like you need to stay out of it right right, right. neutrality is right. the best and then like you know what that means right like 
it favors the side of the oppressor, which is him. <laughs> like, right. So it's like it, it's at his benefit to make sure Cora tries to stay neutral as opposed to choosing a side. Absolutely. And we've even talked about this before where it's, you know, balance doesn't necessarily mean that you're neutral all the time. Balance. No. Sometimes you have to stand on one side of the scale to balance it. Right. So, um, in, in, so in this moment, you know, what does that look like for Cora? It plays to Unalak's favor to say, no, you're the avatar. You're supposed to be neutral in this when the reality is that's not necessarily what the the role of the avatar is. I think I just realized Aang what... was not neutral in the Hundred Year War. Right. right? Yeah. Like that's not right. how that that's not what that means. Yeah. I think one thing I realized just now is like one of the things that I'm finding so problematic with Unalak is that it's this it's so everything carefully <laughs> articulated half truths. Right. Where what he says at face value is is right right it's like it's it's true or it but it's also like but and and i think a lot of people don't have the way to articulate that those half truths are you know power manipulation and i like i I don't think a lot of people can recognize that and like name it wielding knowledge in ways that were hurtful Yeah, yeah and 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 i think that even though like i think that's where it comes the the idea that you know being honest and being you know compassionate with that honesty those are two different things <laughs> like like right. you can be honest and really harmful right and i think this is an example of that well and we've seen that weaponized before at least i i, I feel like i've experienced relationships where that's been weaponized before this idea around telling your parents hey this caused me harm right or this was like trauma inducing and for a parent to respond were you ever not clothed or fed and did i ever hit you and the answer is like well yeah i had those things and and no you never did it's like well then i you know what more could you want then yeah exactly and you're (laughs) like that's not and so you're seeing these these truths like no you never hit me no you you i was fed no i had clothes those are all true but me saying that this was still caused harm is also true and so um when you navigate and weaponize these like exactly right so many people have no capacity to hold that ground because they're like no you're right you're right you're right and now i'm like but i'm not right anymore because you're right and again this idea of like this binary of just because what you said is true exactly one pole or the other yeah just because what you said is true does not mean that everything else that you're implying is also true and i think that's just something we really need to lean into as we especially as I consider the fandom on this series is like people blame Cora and I'm sitting here going like, she was manipulated y'all. She is the victim. Pay attention. <laughs> uh, all right. What else? Anything else on relatedness? I'm trying to think. I, uh, I think the last, the last part of the episode where well, when she pull, when she realizes it wasn't her father and mm. she goes to home and she said, I'm so glad it wasn't you. And then there's a moment yeah. of realization and reconciliation that I thought was beautiful as well. Yeah. So that to me, that that it, it was almost like you could see her waking up back to realizing that the people that have loved me, that have sheltered me, that have given me everything that I have and that and that that do actually care about me and have wanted me to grow, yeah. um, that the, the truth was there. And that that's the whole truth. And yes, they make mistakes. And yes, they they did get banished. But but the bottom line is she realized that that they loved her. Um, and that that was a beautiful moment for me. Yeah, it reminds me of this moment in the last episode with Mako and Cora had a similar like 
they were fighting and then they came back and you know made up and it was like oh that's a really beautiful moment right and we've always said it's really nice how quickly characters find resolution uh it's almost like they do it purposefully in 22 minutes like every every time <laughs> I mean, but they're but they're showing us right what it looks like correct to, to yeah showing that. us the way right they're, they're giving us these tools mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here going like i want to be able to do that that fast because <laughs> yeah. we don't that's three we don't do it in 22 minutes we don't no. never like that's not how that plays out and so um but it is i agree it's it's super nice that is a beautiful moment ruined so quickly by Unalock. um <laughs> yes um but it is because it does show us this ability and i think the, the, the capacity for forgiveness the capacity to say i made a mistake the capacity to say i was wrong are all really important which is one of the things that he had that that uh Tonalock had said to uh, Cora was you know i should have let you i when i saw that when he said i saw yeah. that open up I realized I should have I should have given you more latitude is kind of the way I'm interpreting that to to learn more. So he was he he apologized in his own way, mm-hmm. and I I think that's a big part of what helped her see. And I I do think that's one of the things about being related. Uh, I never heard them apologize for not telling her, <laughs> and that could have been you know I you know they they made an excuse. Well, we just wanted you to have a good life. Yeah. Well, that's not the same as saying I'm sorry. I wish I'd have trusted you with the truth. And I feel like that is such a common thing. I can't speak to it as a parent, right? But I can speak to it from a child's perspective before of where what I needed to hear was, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Like, we can do this better versus like, well, these are the reasons why I did that. And and so like, that's why it happened that way. There is so much, uh, so much grace given when someone says i made a mistake and this was my mistake and i i'm sorry i did that and that it hurt you and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that again to the best of my ability i made the mistake this is where we make a plug for harriet Lerner's uh why won't you apologize book it's phenomenal nine nine like steps to apology i have steps and air quotes there for our for those that aren't watching huh? <laughs> little shuffles little yeah. back and back and forth um but but yeah i i think that's a, a really beautiful articulation of what an apology needs to have in in all of its parts in order for it to really be uh, helpful and i just i think it's really helpful i recommend it as a book well and and that's i mean i i think those are those are key points of being related is when you can recognize your own humanity it allows me to have mine and mm. and we can we can be humans together and that's what the core of relationship to me is about what a beautiful place to kind of yeah. end this section <laughs> like, oh, moments to ponder on while we take our quick break we will be back with highs and lows devotion all the fun stuff that we like to wrap our episodes with. And so we will be back in just a moment.
now it's time for the weather forecast. That's right, everybody. We have our highs and lows for the episode. It's a really like I was getting my weatherman voice. That was my <laughs> like you didn't like that. This is we're still trying to figure out a good name for this segment. Um, but you know, I tried it. Uh, I liked it. I, I, you didn't like it? Nope. Felt like a felt like a first grade classroom again, and I did not like first grade. So. Here we are. Great. Nah. First grade. <laughs> Talk about highs and lows. Anyway, so what? Again, just to remind everybody, we are talking about our favorite episode or favorite moment from the episode, uh, and whatever that means to you. Same thing for uh, our lows. Like, what is a, a something that was like really unfortunate, or literally metaphorically? Um, the low point for us in the episode. And I, I'm happy to toss it to whoever is ready. Is there anyone who'd like to start with either a high or a low? We can go in any order. I can start with a low. I think I already I already mentioned it. I didn't. I don't love seeing the abuse between Eska and Bolin played out mm. for humor, and so that's a tough moment for me to watch. I don't, um, yeah, so that's a low moment for me in this episode. Yeah. A low moment for me was when um, Cora's mom did not apologize for having uh, kept the secret, um, but she just kind of made an excuse for it. So that was a low. She could have really said, we were wrong, and I'm sorry. And it's so interesting, because that moment's like, oh, like I still like I still, I still, I still, I still had the feels. Well, I right? appreciate their love, but she could have done a little bit there with yeah, that. Yeah, so. I know. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you know, I struggle a lot in this episode. I, I think what makes me sad is that I am constantly that person who's agreeing with Unalak and also like vehemently being like, no. <laughs> and so I, I really am lamenting how that has evoked in me this like not having been able to discern the difference in the past. And so that just brings up a lot of things where I, I feel less than because of my experience with people like Unalak. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's not necessarily a moment. It's just, you know, the character of Unalak is a downer. <laughs> <laughs> Question. When we play board games, do you view me as the Unalak yes, of your life? Absolutely. <laughs> you are the worst. Except unlike Unalak, I win. So. It's debatable. Sorry. <laughs> and now we're talking about highs because I'm getting angry. <laughs> what makes us happy? <laughs> Anyone, anyone. <laughs> so I like, I like, I liked when Tenzin and his brother and sister went looking for Iki, oh, and I thought that was a moment. sweet event where they all decided, "Well, I'll go with you. You, we can go to." I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. But I also liked when Boomy said, "It's fifty times faster just to jump down the, you know, and 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 I can." And then they they use their bending powers and beat him down there. Um, but there's a sweet there's a sweetness about that. that yeah. I think is, and they they came together for for Iki. Yeah, I loved that. Sunshine, what about you? I I see myself in Milo. Like <laughs> child, child, child version of me was very much Milo. Um and there's the moment where where Pema is like asking what's happening with Iki and like where she is and, and Milo's giving this long answer and she like finally digs in and he's like she she ran away. And that is there's such a uh genuine aspect to that of having conversations with kids and, and saying Hey, tell me what happened here. I don't know. I need you to be honest. I, I really don't know. Last try being honest. 
I hit him with a ladder. And you're like, okay, okay, like, thank you for being honest. And like, now we have a different conversation. But that is such a a moment that I've had so many times with with kids while working with them over my career. And so um, the moment of that being like, I don't know what happened to she ran away because we were making fun of her. <laughs> it's like, all right, I appreciate the honesty, Milo, and we're going to have a conversation later, but let's go find Iki. Uh, it was one that I just, it just felt very true to, to human nature, and I thought that uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Ben? Yeah, there's so much. I, I, I think the the thing that sticks out the most for me is this moment at the end with the Cora comes back and this, again, this reconciliation that happens between her and her parents and just the things that are said and like the trust that is reestablished is just like, like, it's just like, that's, that's what I want. That's, those are the things. And I think, you know, we were, it was it, like, it was driving towards wanting for that. It's like this music that has all these dissonance, dissonance, dissonance. And then here's the resolution that is promptly ruined. And so it's like, it's just um, the nature of a two part episode, I guess. But I just, that moment was really beautiful. Okay. I'm going to challenge you two on something. So Uh-oh. you've been talking about polemics or kind of either or. And so oh, no. we've lived into the good and bad. So I want to know a middle of the road moment for you. <laughs> what's, what's a gray moment for you? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Things that I'm neutral on. <laughs> oh man. I don't even know. There are, cause I, there are moments. Uh, well, I wonder if the, the point isn't that sometimes the highs and the lows really catch our attention. Yeah. And so we can have a little bit of grace for Cora because she's looking at the highs and she's looking at the lows. So that, that's it. I mean, and the, no, the, the gray areas, it, yeah. but, but I was just, it's just kind of paralleled out the, you know, this whole thing of her doing it and then, our, and then we're doing it too. So yeah. The dinner scene between uh, Bolin and Nesca, and I, that's a blah moment for me. In the, oh, that in the was ep- so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> man, just it, it, Mako man. and Cora are that's like, a, let's go get a, dinner. That's a, then, oh, no, I got a text <laughs> message moment of like, let me answer this text message during this part, and it's well, let's fine. see. Are there other moments like that? Let's see. Hmm. I'm trying to think of one. I mean, like, Varric and Julie in this were – I. It, there are certainly things that are going on, but they weren't, that wasn't like a, oh no moment or a, oh yeah moment. It was just like, oh, that's those two. Okay. But, mm, mm. The, eh. Okay. The, the eh moment for me was right after, um, right after at the very beginning when, when she separated the, the fight that we're going to have and then, sh- mm-hmm. then she walks away. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, and then I, I didn't love it, but it didn't really, you know, I, I could understand. There was understand. a resolution yeah, there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of my, eh. I don't speak in absolutes very often. I try not to do it ever, right? Ever? I, I try. Ever? I try never. not to do you it never, ever. never, ever try to do That's it. That's why I say I try. <laughs> uh, but I will make this absolute. If you are the person who is yelling at kids for throwing snowballs and willing to physically harm them over it. Right. You're you're the wrong. You're, you're, you're in the wrong. I think that's a that's an absolute fair. Yeah. Fair. You're on the wrong side of that argument. Yeah. Don't harm children. Let's just yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. We have successfully completed the weather forecast. Um, at least for this episode, we'll call it that. Um, and that leads us to our devotion. 
And so what we're doing and inviting everybody into now is a chance to set an intention or goal with the element of fire. More importantly, why is it still going? It's Hendrix. It's fire is the song. It's great. Good song. Oh, man. I should probably have known that. Yeah. Oops. And related. And we're looking for a new co-host for Bending Not Breaking. John? Um, No, anyway. Uh, who's, I was going to be the new co-host. No, um, I don't think... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot to put up with me for an entire hour. So. Um, fire and relatedness, and we're setting an intention with that. And again, we are, we are switching elements every time so that we are inviting this, you know, balance that we need to cultivate through this kind of elemental lens. So who wants to share a goal or intention with, with these in mind? Fire and relatedness. So I'll start with what I was thinking about. Um, fire is an element, but spirit isn't apparently. Okay. And so when, uh, I, I guess it was Mako that was trying to fight the spirits with with uh, his fire. And Korra. The, yeah, Korra did too. So th- this whole idea of trying to wrestle the spirit with an element doesn't work. So my intention is going to be to explore how I can be honest and intentional about communicating, connecting with spirit um, in my own personal spirit, but also that around me. Not trying to bully it into something or burn it into something, but trying to be in relationship with it. Mm. Oh, I love that. Wow. Okay. Uh, For me, I am kind of really reminded of this um sacred fire from avatar the last airbender specifically in the sun warrior um area what do we call that village area tribe Um, island island yeah anyway uh there and you know there they talk about how this was the original sort the original fire and all fire is kind of connected to this and i think that's really beautiful because even though we are, um, there's fire everywhere, right? Being able to recognize that it is a piece of the original fire is something that is uh, often lost, right? And I, I'm curious to think about how th- we are all connected in a way, and our our relation relatedness is perspective <laughs> uh, and perception, and I I, I think that. A goal of mine is to how do I begin to see the fire in you and the fire in me as being not not just similar but from the same source, right? I, I think that's that's something that I want to kind of meditate on um, over this next week. Love that. My turn. Yep. Yep. You're the last one. Oh no. Um, the last Airbender. <laughs> Um, We're on fire. I know. Uh, <laughs> as I kind of lifted up before, the concept of allowing people to tell their own stories and, and stopping others when they're trying to share mm. stories that belong to someone else, I think that takes a level of vulnerability and courage that requires a little fire, that requires a little bit of, of confidence yeah. in doing that. That is not an easy skill to stop someone and say, 
hey, I want to hear that from the person whose story it is to tell um, is not an easy thing to do. It's very uncomfortable. Like it, even when you think about asking people to stop talking when you find what they're talking about not appropriate or like that's a tough thing to do. So it, I feel like this is even more personal than that. And so that requires a little bit of fire, but I think it's important. I think it's important for us to be able to allow people to share their stories on their terms. And I think that that's something that I have to be more proactive. I can be more proactive about allowing to take place. And so that's my, that's my intention for this week. So beautiful. Y'all, I think we're going to do well this week. I believe in us. I like it. Yeah. I feel all warm inside. Maybe it's the fire. So now we're going to gratitude. <laughs> the heater's also on for the first time in a while. Yeah, we turned that on for you, John. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that brings us to gratitude, which is more warm and fuzzy. So that's really lovely. And um, again, just gratitude for everybody who's listening is this moment for us to reflect on a character from this episode in particular that we're grateful for for a particular reason. Who wants to go first? Well, I was I was thinking I was you know the the obvious title character <laughs> Cora. Yeah. I'm 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 grateful for her humanity and the way she really honestly lived where she was, who she was, when she was, and um, and I also am grateful that she was able to see her mistakes and then come finally back to her father and and recognize that he had indeed been her support all along. And Cora will continue to make mistakes and she will continue to grow and learn and she will model what that looks like for us. And I think that is important. To remind myself how good the writing is because of how viscerally I feel some of her responses to things. Because in my head, as someone who is not 16, (laughs) I'm like, that's, that is such a, a, irresponsible response or that is such like that is that is not to that's not the way to get what you want uh but then i also recognize i'm like but you're 16 and growth is the point of the show and you're not supposed to do everything perfect and no one is and deep breaths that's like yeah. that's how i get through episodes yeah absolutely so my person is pema and i, I was kind of struck by your comment john about raising your kids and i'm thinking about how being in specifically in relationship with Tenzin, who has this immense responsibility to Republic City, who is constantly like the last airbender in a way, right? Like, yes, his children are airbenders, but he's, for all intents and purposes, like the airbender and has all of the immense responsibility of the air nation under his entire belt much less his family and his children and so it just really makes me think that like Pema's doing a lot of work (laughs) Mm -hmm. raising these children and it's pretty unrecognized in the show uh and not lifted up and I just want to name that that is a lot of work that she is putting into that family and into helping those children learn these lessons and um it's evident it her her passion in this episode that she really cares about that and I think that I just, I'm really grateful for, for people and parents like Pema. That reminds me of a moment in the episode that I want to talk about. So we're going to backtrack just a second. Excuse to talk me. about. It. We're going to do it because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our show, Ben. Um, it's the, uh, I'm the one who has to uphold 
you know, the Airbender legacy, Aang's le- our dad's legacy, and Kaya comes mm. in with, we can do that too. Yeah. And I, that's right. like, anytime that I hear you're not alone or like we can help is like a, oh, like it's, it's like, a, oh, it's like a, uh, I love those moments. Yeah. I love a moment where someone says you're not alone. And I think that that's really important here to, for, cause Tenzin does, he puts a lot of pressure He's on himself. He's over-functioning, right? Um, and so for Kai to come in and say, it's not just you. It, we also are representations of his legacy and it's a very nice moment that I, yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Here, here. That being said, I'm grateful for Tonrock. Yep. <laughs> so let's, let's talk had, about Tonrock. Who had nothing to do with that moment. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I really appreciate when someone's able to admit when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't do it enough. And I, so when I see it, I very much admire it and, um, he does that. He does that this episode. He admits where he could have been better. He recognizes and has an awareness of where he might have made some missteps as a as a parent along this journey. Um, and seeing that, I think, is a, a wonderful example for the rest of us on how to navigate life and the, the ability to say, I messed up here, and we can do better, and I can do better, and I think that's important. Yeah. Here, here. Well, we did it. We did it. Wow. That's the episode. John, this has been incredible. Like, like you've been a, a huge source for all these things, helping us name red flags, helping us name behaviors that can be problematic, and also helping us name things that are really important and integral to relatedness. And so uh, thank you for being a My part of this. My pleasure and an honor to be with y'all. It's been fun. And thank you for introducing me to the Avatar Nation. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I'm excited I, for you to finish <laughs> I am looking forward to if it. You, uh, there's also books and comics. There's a whole world open there's to the you world. now. Yeah, the oh. universe, right? Well, thank you so much for joining us, and, and thank you all for listening and, 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 and following along this show. And if you want to continue to do that, BNB underscore pod, wherever you follow on them interwebs. So TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff. Uh, and Patreon. You can jo- join, support us on Patreon. That would be cool. We don't have sponsors. Nope. Y'all are our sponsors. Y'all are our sponsors. So, yeah, join in on that. Um, and then also, if you'd like to join on the show, literally send us a voicemail with your thoughts on one of our episodes, a moment of the show that you liked. You can send those to thearchivia.gmail.com and just do a little two-minute voice memo about a moment in Avatar or we Legend of Korra that, that means something to you. And so feel free to join us there. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. We'll be there next time. Bye-bye.